What's up, baseball fans? It's uh, Soda Mojo editor Adam Levy here um, with a big cast and crew today. We've got uh, Riley Baker here, Alex Summerfield, and Colby Patnode as usual. And we have another one of the Soda Mojo writers on, Caden Enriquez. So he'll also be joining us today. How you guys been? Good. Pretty good, man. It's nice to have baseball back, isn't it? Heck yes. Sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't sound too enthused. Maybe after tomorrow's game. Yes, definitely. (laughs) All right, so as usual, we're going to start in with the the interesting stat, and uh, I promise that this will be the last thing that we ever mention about spring training. So obviously we've, we've talked ad nauseum about how it's not a fair indication of how the season's going to go, but it was a little alarming to see uh, Hisashi Uakuma have four walks in his last start in spring training ball. Uh, that is something that whether it's spring or regular season play, he has only done twice in his now, this would be his sixth year career. So that's, um, you know, never a good sight to see. Uh, it happens that in the two games, other games that he had for walks were almost on the exact same day, three years apart, in August uh, 28th of 2012, and then also August 29th of 2015. So that's just a cool little thing that happens in the mm. awesome world we live in. So obviously, you know, when we're talking about Iwakuma and his walks, you know, the biggest... Um, question going into this season for the Mariners is how is the pitching going to hold up obviously the big heartbreaking news is that Drew Smiley is out with an injury so as everyone has been talking about you know with all the hype with the Mariners how do you feel that this injury is going to affect Drew Smiley he's out six to eight weeks so what do you guys think uh yeah I kind of didn't take that news very great I you know we're all hyped for this season to start the last thing you want to see is an injury, especially this close to the start of the season. So that kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit. But, you know, Jerry DePoto built this roster with a lot of depth. So I think we're still in a great position. We got Ariel Miranda still. Uh, Moon we got boy. Dylan Overton if we need it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it sucks because it's one of the pieces he wanted to fit into this puzzle. But he also built it to have depth. So... I think we'll be all right for the six to eight weeks he's out. Yeah, it's all about uh, survival at this point. Miranda was rock solid last year. He had a three and a half ERA um, and 10 starts, I think it was. So Miranda is not bad depth to have. Um, all it really does is that it uh, it really taps into your depth because now if Iwakuma gets hurt or Gallardo's not effective, then all of a sudden you have to bring another guy up and – that's the only real troubling thing I see with this is that, you know, if one of those guys gets hurt or even Paxton, what's the next move? You're probably looking at moving Overton. And then at that point you're stretching yourself thin. You have DeYoung and I mean, what else right now? It's uh, it's unfortunate that it happened right now. I feel like the team would be better equipped to handle this in June uh, when, you know, the pitching depth can kind of sort itself out. But uh I think they can survive. I think the offense is good enough to keep them in all these games. So, and Miranda's not a Miranda's not a bad pitcher. So, I think they'll survive, but it 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 definitely hurts. Yeah, when I saw the news, I wasn't initially that concerned. I, maybe it's just because I haven't seen Smiley pitch that much for the Mariners during the regular season, or just really Smiley pitched that much at all. Even though he pitched well during the the World Baseball Classic, which was 
intriguing, but I wasn't too concerned. I was just like, Miranda for Smiley, that's not too big of a difference to me right now, but maybe I'm just underestimating that. But the injury to Smiley just kind of adds more of a question mark to the rotation. I mean, Felix, we all expect him to be the back to the way he was after his down year last year, but we don't know that. And then Yokuma's getting older, and Paxton always loses a fingernail or something, and then we got the two new guys. So it's just, it's I guess, another question mark. I'd say the thing that hurts the most is considering how much they gave up to get Smiley, and we only have him through 2017, and we gave up a number five, a number 13, and a number 25 for um, club prospects. So I feel like that, that that definitely hurts the most. Yeah, and it's obviously, you know, he's been plagued by injuries uh, so much in his career. But do you think that now with this injury, and obviously the hope is that he'll come back and he'll be – uh, as good as as good as he's been at his high points, but you know, with that and some of the questions, you know, you guys just mentioned Gallardo's been uh, he was solid in his last start, but he was a little shaky in the WBC and also during spring. So with questions in the back of the rotation, do you think that this puts more onus on Paxton to really deliver? I don't think it puts much more pressure on him per se. I think it puts more pressure on the next guy up, like Miranda, who's the next guy up. I think not that it's necessarily like a lot of pressure for him to fill in because he's preparing. He's been preparing himself to fill this role throughout spring training. I think everyone's prepared. I think Jerry Depoto and Scott Service have this plan, and this may have come up earlier than anyone expected or wanted it to, but I think I think they're prepared. <laughs> And it might be in the back of the other starting pitcher's mind, of course. But at the end of the day, you just have to go out and perform. And I think they'll be able to do that. I don't know if it puts any additional pressure on James Paxton. At, at this point, he kind of is what he is. When he pitches, he's going to be really well. And then you're, I guess the pressure is on him to stay healthy. But that's not really something you can control uh, for the most part. But uh, you know, I think it probably puts a little more pressure on a guy like Gallardo and Iwakuma for them to be what they have been in the past and not what they've been so far in spring training. So I think that's probably where the pressure lies, not so much on Paxton, um, but more so on, uh, uh, P- uh, sorry, <laughs> Iwakuma and Gallardo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't so much say it's just on one particular person, one particular starting pitcher, it's just kind of the whole staff as a unit they need to step up. You know, it's just like, it's not like just because one guy's down, they're all going to all of a sudden do worse as a staff. Uh, like individually, but I just I guess they always say momentum is the next day starting pitcher. So as long as they're all just doing their job one through five, I don't I don't know I don't think it's just pressure on Paxton. I think Paxton just needs to be healthy and pitch like we up to his what potential as people see him him having. So Caden had mentioned uh, how Miranda can fill the role. So you know obviously we didn't see too much of him last year. We basically just saw him through September and he was lights out, but. From what you've seen in spring and, you know, with his development this year, how do you think he's going to fill into that role? Um, I think considering how he did last year, I think he's going to do pretty well. I don't think he'll be as effective as Drew Smiley will be, but he's definitely not a bad replacement. I mean, he's definitely been prepared for it over spring training. Yeah, you look at the uh, – I got the stats right here on Miranda. In September, he went 4-1 and one with a 2.62 ERA over 34 innings. Uh, you know, he struck out 26 guys. He only walked nine. Uh, if you can get 75% of that performance for the two months until Smiley gets back in, then that's, I mean, that's about as good as you can get for a guy who's probably your number four or number mm-hmm. five pitcher. So, 
Yeah, Jerry Depoto definitely prepared for this. I don't think it came as a surprise. I think it came earlier than what we all expected, but yeah, I think we're definitely prepared for it. Yeah, as uh, as Alex mentioned so often last week, it all comes down to his organizational depth. Yes. Uh, there's uh, it all just comes down to that again. So then I guess you know we've got opening day tomorrow. It's going to be a fantastic game, as you guys have mentioned. Felix is going to be starting against uh, the Astros. No Tall Hill at uh, in Houston, so that's going to be <laughs> a little weird to see. But um, how do you think that the Astros are going to fare against uh, this new revamped Felix? And uh, and then on the road, the Mariners have I guess seven games uh, in Houston and then in Los Angeles. I don't think anyone can really have any set expectations with how Felix is going to do tomorrow. I mean, he is Felix, so we want to expect the best. We want to see vintage Felix out there getting a lot of movement on his pitches with the control he has had in years prior. But then the season he had last year still leaves a little bit of doubt. So I think this is kind of the game that people are going to look at and think like, okay, let's see how he does. Let's see how he starts this season off. And I think this is really just kind of, kind of going to set the bar for how people, um, how the fans watching will kind of view his season to move forward. Yeah, uh, for me, I'm I'm watching what he does against Altuve. Uh, Felix just cannot seem to get that guy out. <laughs> Altuve is one of the funnest players to watch in baseball unless your team is playing against him. Then you kind of hate his guts. But uh, I, mean, I don't know. If Altuve goes four for four tomorrow and then Felix throws, you know, six innings of two-run ball, who who really cares? So you're just looking for Felix to uh, command the zone, work up and down, and then let his off-speed pitches play. So the results are they're important, but I'm mostly still looking for uh, fastball velocity and location tomorrow. Uh, if he gets hit around a little bit, it's a hitter's park. I mean, he's still trying to figure things out. So I'm just interested to see his fastball command. First of all, I'd like to say that I will miss the hill in Houston. It just adds a little more uniqueness to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Felix, Felix is he's normally good. He's normally good on his opening day starts. What, what is this in our like nine or ten in or something like that? He's he's normally pretty good at his opening day starts. So if they win tomorrow, obviously 162 and 0. But um, <laughs> If he, I don't, if he doesn't do well tomorrow, I, I might be a little concerned, especially after last year, and just that he normally is good in these opening day games, and I might be a little concerned if he doesn't come out uh, and pitch well too well or pitch well tomorrow. I'm anxious to see the adjustments Felix makes because others have said a bunch of times that um, they've talked to him about approaching hitters differently because last year obviously was not a very great year for him. So I think it'll be interesting to see how he attacks these this Astro Astros lineup. And going back to opening day, the Mariners uh, are 24 and 16 in opening day matchups. So the record is on the side. But uh, my enthusiasm for opening day is uh, a little um, premature because, uh, you know, before we move on to uh, regular season ball, we have to obviously say goodbye to spring training. And Riley Baker had uh, just gone down and spent some time in Peoria. So what was that like, Riley? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, moving down from what had been 50 degrees up here in Cheney to down to 80 degrees down in Arizona was sweet in and of, in of itself. Um, but I had never been down there, and, you know, I'm sure all of us here, many of the listeners we have, 
you know, they know of spring training enough to kind of understand that it's kind of a laid back environment, kind of like a minor league game. And that's exactly what it was. It was like going to a minor league game in the summer, except the players were different. That was pretty much the big difference in the game setting. Um, but yeah, overall, the facilities were awesome. It was super like fan friendly. You've had a lot of freedom to just roam around, go wherever you want, besides like on the field, of course. Um, <laughs> a lot of player access. A lot of player access. Like it was easy to, you know, just see. Like my first night there, um, I went into Chick Fil A for some dinner, and I sat down and I saw um, three players walk in that are in the minor league system. Um, so like it's just that they're just walking around. Out, like when they're not practicing, you know, I think they're staying at the La Quinta, like right next to the facility and they just kind of roam around at night or not, not at night, but like in the evenings, like when they're not working. So it's, I don't know. It's just different down there. A lot of fun. So then overall, you know, the Mariners, uh, they finished just uh, a half a game out for the Cactus league title and um, just behind the angels for a half a game. Uh, so how do you feel the Mariners did this year, guys, in spring training? Do you, if we, uh, gave them a letter grade, you know, that was something, uh, last week I was on the, uh, the Johnny ball game show. Uh, and he had asked me what grade would I have given the Mariners in spring training? And I said a B because my personal opinion is that the, the offense, I would give an A, um, I did a piece earlier this morning. Uh, when you look at most offensive statistics, uh, the Mariners were in the top five, pretty spectacular. But then when it comes to when it came to pitching and also fielding, uh, it's more of like a C minus C. So round off and give it a B. So where would you guys see in a grade form this Mariners spring training? Yeah, I'd put it around that same, maybe a B plus because I feel like the bullpen side did a little bit stronger than the starting pitching. Um, but yeah, about the same, like looking at the American league standings in spring training as well, we finished in third, the Yankees were 24 and nine. We were nine and 19 and 14 behind the angels. So, you know, we're up there. And like you said, um, the hitting was phenomenal this spring. So if that can carry over, that's what we want to see. We want to see maybe the pitchers, you can be optimistic and just, think that the pitchers were just like working on different pitch sequences you know not necessarily trying to go after hitters so hopefully they can start start trending upward in the right direction once the season starts but yeah i'd give it i'd give them about a b plus i think uh, i'd probably go with a b just because of the uh, drew smiley injury and the shea simmons injury uh you know not anything they can really do about that but uh you know when i watch spring training all i'm looking for is to make sure the big guys don't get hurt and then I watch for the minor league guys to see who's looking good. So, uh, you know, and plus the record's kind of not reflective because you were missing four of your best players for a majority of spring training. So, I mean, it's a B. They did fine. They, like you said, they hit well. I like that they uh, they ran the bases really aggressively, and I hope that carries over. But, uh, you know, the only thing that keeps it from being an A is the injuries to Smiley and Shea Simmons, and I think those are both uh, – not major injuries, but they are, uh, uh, they're significant. So I would say a B. I'm not going to use the letter grade system here. I think it's more of a pass fail kind of thing. I'd give them a pass because it's spring training and we talked about how it doesn't entirely matter, but you know, you learn a few things down in Peoria that you'll bring to the, 
to the regular season, which is important. And I don't think there was anything too terrible about this spring training. If you don't do letter grades, would you have gold stars? How many gold stars? Gold stars? <laughs> That's still kind of like letter grading, though. Yeah, but I would think if Mitch Hanniger, I mean, he gets an A++, plus plus one of those stars, and maybe a... Stars. Yeah, Alex, this sounds, this sounds like everyone gets a trophy kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, because it's spring training. <laughs> so I'm guessing I'm the only one who keeps all of his participation trophies. I still have mine. Yeah, I still have mine. I'm not going to lie. Oh, God. That was before this whole debate started, though, about keeping participation trophies. I was a year old now. <laughs> Well, yeah, so it's definitely spring training something to check out. Have you guys, besides Riley, have you guys made the trip down to Arizona? Not yet. No. Sounds I went like a couple years ago. Riley has a job, so we can do that. How was it for you? Um, I went there because I know a lot of guys in the Padres and Rockies organizations, and so I kind of spent most of my time watching them. But um, I did go to a Mariner game, and that was pretty fun to watch. It was the last game before they came home to play to open up against the Angels, and that was pretty cool. So There's a lot of fan access to everything. Yeah, it sounds like that. You know, um, as long as you guys just aren't seeing the signs that says trespassers will be punished. And <laughs> so obviously spring training, something that happens is, you know, the rosters whittles down from about 50 guys to the 25 to come on. So now that we have the final roster and opening day lineup is set, what do you guys, do you think that uh, DePoto and Scott Service have made the right choice, put the right guys in for the 25-man roster? Um, yeah, I mean, I hate to keep going back to the injury, but that was really, like, the only thing that I think, you know, wasn't what they had foreseen going into the season. Um, I feel like it's all kind of what we expected also. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't really see a lot of surprises, and I think it's a solid roster. I think it's really what Jerry DePoto was trying to put together. Uh, yeah, I don't. I wasn't really surprised by it, to be honest. Uh, you know, the only thing that uh, really happened the last few days, aside from the injury, that I found interesting, uh, they kind of flipped the batting order a little bit there towards the end. Uh, they moved Mitch Haniger up to the number two spot. They moved uh, Dyson from the one spot to the nine spot. Um, you know, after the first inning, that's really not that big of a of a drop down. But I thought it was interesting. I think it says a lot about Haniger. And uh, so that's kind of what I've taken away over the last couple of days. And also, I should have given more credit to Dylan Overton. So, I mean, that's it's a cool story for him. Yeah. And uh, on uh, the lineup uh, switch, I had actually uh, tweeted out to Ryan Divish, and he seemed almost surprised that I would suggest that um, seeing what you just said, Colby, you know, as Dyson in the ninth spot and Hanniger in the two. You know, all uh, all the perception was that it would kind of be a lot of speed up front for the guys of Cano, Cruz, and Seager to bring them in. Um, but he said, you know, let's see what happens uh, against a right-hander since they're facing a lefty on opening day. Yeah, I could do lineup theory all day. That's one of those geeky things that I'm really interested in. But really, after the first after the first go through the order, I mean, the nine in the one spot, you're essentially looking for the same thing. So. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what happens when they go against the, the righty, but, uh, you know, against the lefty, this is fine. Dyson doesn't hit lefties that well. So put Hanniger up there, get him a few more at bats and let's see how it works out. What about the rest of you guys? What do you feel about the, uh, the final roster and maybe specifically, you know, the two battles that seemed like they were in question maybe is there's Guillermo Heredia or Ben Gamble 
and then um, Sean O'Malley and Taylor Motter. Obviously, O'Malley had appendicitis and uh, just had an operation, so he's out. Do you think that may be affected, Motter getting the uh, utility spot? Do you think that's going to change? I don't know. So, well, if you were talking about surprises on the roster, I think one of the things that we had talked about last week is they're only going to keep one or maybe two lefties in the bullpen, but they kept three with your guy Overton and Pazos and Zipchinski. And then for when you're talking about the utility guy, I think Modern might have outplayed O'Malley in the spring training, uh, even though we all love O'Malley and for what he did last year and his, his uh, switch army knife-ness that he is. And then <laughs> I think or Heredia definitely beat out uh, Gamble for the, for the fourth outfielder spot, so that wasn't really a surprise to, any, or to me at least. Yeah, I think Sean O'Malley was definitely going to be on the roster considering his major league experience over Modder, but um, over spring training, I'd definitely say Modder outplayed O'Malley, definitely. He definitely earned his spot. And so when do you guys think that this uh, this eight-man bullpen that is set now, how long do you think that's going to last until it goes back to a seven-man pen? Um, I think it kind I of think... depends on how the rotation goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. I think it has to do with that or like any other injuries. Or if something happens where they need to have, you know, another middle infielder on the roster. Yeah, I just, I mean, who are they going to, who just has to be in the big leagues right now that you can't carry an extra pitcher for a while? I mean, he said O'Malley's down, and with Modder, he really doesn't add much. You're not going to bring up Gamble to get, you know, one start a week. That doesn't make much sense. So there's just nobody that you really had to have up right now. So I guess until an injury, but it also wouldn't surprise me if maybe they added a player in the first month or two, and then they uh, that's when they make the move. And yeah, do you the think... only player I could see them bringing back up would be Vogelbach. That's true. If maybe Valencia starts to struggle and they want to try that platoon, that's, I think, would be the first one they would do that for. Mm. And then what about this, uh, you know, Colby, you had written about uh, Melvin Upton Jr. So do you think that that's a potential roster move that – He'll go after him, and is he going to be uh, part of the the major league squad, or do you think he's going to kind of be waiting in the wings? Or what? What, what do you see? Uh, what do you foresee with his future with the M's? Uh, Melvin Upton. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have a future with the M's. I think uh, you know the guy's only 32 years old. Uh, you know he still is a solid player. He can probably go to Detroit and play with his brother and be the center fielder, but in the off chance he is willing to come to Seattle, uh, it's going to be on a one-year deal, low money, and he's going to be a platoon guy that you stick out there with Dyson. Um, you know, against lefties, Upton last year, he hit uh, 275 with a 341 on base and a 533 slugging. I mean, that's a legit threat with uh, against the left-handed pitching, and he also stole 27 bases. He's got power hit 20 home runs, and he's still a solid defender and a plus base runner. So it makes a lot of sense that the Mariners would be interested if they are. I think they probably are. I'm just not sure if uh, Upton's ready to take a platoon role uh, quite yet. And what about, would you guys enjoy having Upton? Do you think that he would be worth pursuing? I wouldn't wouldn't be opposed to the move. I've always kind of been a fan of his. He's been kind of versatile, been a quick guy. He's cut off the past few years, but, you know, he he is kind of similar to Gerard Dyson in the sense of his skill set where he's got a lot of speed. He can hit near the top of the lineup. He's not going to hit for a lot of power. So I think he would fit this model that DePoto and Service have. Um, 
I don't necessarily think that's going to be a move that he makes. But who knows? Jerry Depoto's always doing things. Yeah, I'm not totally in love with the idea of uh, Upton, but I like the platoon idea. If he's hitting that well against lefties, I think that would be a good idea to bring him in, and especially if Dyson struggles against lefties. I really do not like the move, personally, if the Mariners did get him, because he had an on-base percentage of 291 total last year, and I know one of the big things that the Mariners have been preaching all spring training is getting on base and putting the game in motion, and a 291 on base is not very ideal for an outfielder, I don't say. Right, but what if you only hit him against lefties, where he has a 341 on base? That's about Dyson's on base against righties. And then with the Upton having on your bench against the righties, you have a guy who can come in, play all three outfield positions, steal a base late in the game. He does have some power. He's hit 20 home runs four times in 13 years. I mean, I'm not saying he's a perfect player, and honestly, if he's asking for too much money, he's basically Guillermo Heredia. Mm, but if he's willing yeah, exactly. to come here, if he's willing to come here on a one-year, one million dollar deal, yeah, I mean, I think you'd give it a shot, and if it doesn't work out. You just release him and you go with Heredia. Yeah, I don't see the Mariners. I don't see him taking him a one million dollar deal. I just don't see that happening, considering his track record. Yeah, neither do I. But yeah. if he did, yeah. If he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. So and now that we know that uh, our opinions on the roster, I guess that the only thing now we have left to do is, you know, we, we know who's going to be playing. We know the schedule. So what are you guys' outcomes for the 2017 season? Are the Mariners going to make the playoffs? Which teams in the AL are going to make the playoffs? Who's going to win the World Series? Let's get our early season predictions in. All right. Well, the Mariners will be in the playoffs this year, according to me. Um, I think they'll be... <laughs> I think they'll be... Yeah, I know. Hopefully. Um, yeah, I think they'll be the second wild card spot. Um, probably... Um, Probably against the Blue Jays is what I'd guess. I think the Red Sox will win the um, the East. I think the Indians pretty much have the Central locked down, and I think the Blue Jays will finish with the fourth best record and then play the Mariners in the wild card. So as far as that goes, I think that's kind of how that pans out. Um, I think the Mariners will probably win around like 89 games. That's kind of just where I see this team. As long as the pitching staff can stay healthy, which they already have shown that they might not be able to. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that's how I see the Mariners' season kind of going. Uh, I, I, I well, no, I was just going to say, so what about player predictions? Do you think that uh, what do you foresee from the big guys, uh, whether on the mound or at the plate, do you see the 40 home runs again from Nelly? You see Felix getting a 20-win season. Any any bolder predictions like that for players? Um. Well, just because I really like Mitch Haniger, I'm gonna say he hits like 20 home runs and hits around 270, which isn't like a huge like out there prediction necessarily. But this being his first full season, I could see him putting up those kind of numbers, which is which would be huge to have with a number two hitter. Um, as far as pitching goes, um, now that Miranda is our number four starter, um, I could see I could see him, you know, continuing the success success he had last season 
early on anyways, he might hit a couple bumps and bruises as people um, look at the scouting report and adjust to him. But I could see him coming off to a hot start and maybe, you know, having three or four wins in the time he's with us. Uh, I guess for me, I would take the uh, the Red Sox to win the East. Um, I Cleveland's going to win the Central. That's, that's not a very good division at all. Uh, and then I'm going to take Houston to win the West. Uh, I do think the Mariners slide in as a wild card spot, as a wild card team, and uh, you know I'm kind of going back and forth on who the other wild card team is. It's kind of between Detroit, Toronto, and I kind of like Tampa Bay. I think uh, you know they have an interesting lineup, a pretty good pitching staff, and bullpen. So, but if I had to pick today, I think I would probably take Detroit um, just because of the depth of their lineup. So I. Get, so the five playoff teams are Boston, uh, Cleveland, Detroit, Seattle, and Houston. Um, and I think Seattle probably wins around 88 to 91 games uh, as the roster sits right now. And I, for a bold prediction, I think uh, I think James Paxton is in the, uh, the Cy Young discussion in September. And uh, offensively, I think, uh, I think Gene Segura – Hits 15 home runs and steals 35 bases and almost com- almost repeats what he did last year. All right, so the Mariners will win 91 games. Edwin Diaz will have 60 saves. Jared Dyson will have 45 stolen bases. The end. Now let me let me. Did you say 60 saves? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. No, I was just I was just clarifying because that would be pretty awesome. But do you want the Mariners to be in so many close games? I mean, last year, I think they had the most uh, one-run games. Obviously, you know, that's uh, uh, stressful and exhausting. And also, you know, it uh, either means that they're working the bullpen a lot. And, you know, so is that something that the Mariners really want to have, even though it's possible with his talent? Well, it's more exciting when they're – I mean, it's not – it's somewhat more exciting when they're close games. Obviously, you want to see them win by like forty, but that can't always happen. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't winning know. winning by forty would be pretty cool, right? But uh, if he's just uh, if he's not having any incredibly stressful, like he's not if he's shutting him down and the end of games, he's not just having these Fernando Rodney type uh, <laughs> close situation or close situations or save situations where he's letting like 10 guys on there okay enough of the exaggerations but he's like loading the bases he's walking all these guys giving up doubles giving up a run but he still gets a save like as long as he's not having like his too many fernando rodney, rodney moments I, I would like him to have a lot of saves but not as long as it's not too too taxing on his arm on his young arm um i'm gonna go out and say felix hernandez he's gonna have a breakout season this year in 2017 he's gonna bounce back he's gonna have a he's gonna sit around a three era He's gonna throw 190 innings, strike out 180 guys, and I think I think I definitely think he'll take home the bounce back player of the year, definitely. And what do you think about uh, playoff situations? Um, I feel like the Red Sox definitely have the East under control, considering their moves that they've done. They brought in Chris Sale, and then they have a great pitching staff. Um, the Indians, I think they'll take the the Central. That's not a very good division, as Colby was saying. And um, I think Seattle. I think they're gonna take one of the wild card spots. But they'll come within one or two games of the division. And I think Houston will win it. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page with wild card. I think it's going to be really close in the end. Mm. Wildcard. I uh, I think that, uh, I know I said this last week too, but um, 
even though they looked kind of uh, out of it today, especially with Tanaka on the mound. I think that uh, the Yankees are going to push for a wild card spot. I think these baby bombers aren't, shouldn't be underestimated. Yeah. Uh, I've read a lot of things that says that, you know, both uh, Gary Sanchez and um, Judge will be potential rookies of the year. So when you got two guys that are challenging for that, I mean, you've got some uh, you got some great talent. Plus, you sign Chris Carter, who belts home runs like crazy, mm-hmm. and then, uh, Matt Holiday as well. And when the rotation's on point and Tanaka's not giving up six runs, uh, you know they're uh, they're a team to be feared. But I think that the Mariners are going to win about ninety games. And I think it's just going to be close. I really think that the last month of baseball is going to be incredibly exciting in the in the AL. And uh, the question is, you know, with all the expectations, you know, probably people are going to come out to Safeco like, you know, they haven't uh, in years past. You know, the attendance has gone up the last several years. But hopefully if fans show up, you know, that boosts the Mariners into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting. And also... Uh, doing simulations on MLB The Show, they have Dyson stealing about 50 bases. Yeah, no, that that was after five simulations, and the average was about 52 bases. So Hmm. they have him him doing really well. I mean, it's a video game, so... Those are very accurate. Huh? (laughs) They're accurate. Well, they try to be. They, uh... I think they're more accurate with the camera angles of how the grass looks. So uh, when it comes to the people's voice, uh, I'm sad to say that we don't have any questions this week. So maybe we can all do a collective boo. Do we give away free Um, cake this week? Is it what? Do we give away any free cake like we talked about? We, we, now that we're talking about it, we can definitely discuss who's going to get cake. Uh, People did vote for our April Fool's uh, articles, and your article, Alex, about the signing of the seven foot two former college basketball player received about nine votes. So you tricked someone, or maybe they just clicked on the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Good wow. How did you How did you come up with that? It was quite the. Because well, the there's this story. there's that Sid Finch thing where he throws a hundred. 60 miles an hour of the boot. I kind of sort of thought it from that and then mm-hmm. just kind of played with it. And I went to a random name generator and that's the name that came up. And right. it looked kind of interesting. And then, I don't know, I played basketball and 7-2 guys can rob home runs, so I included that. I don't know, I just kind of kept flying. <laughs> well, uh, so the people that did vote correctly, uh, if they reach out to us on Twitter at SodaMojoFS and say that they voted for something, they may end up getting a cake in the mail. Yeah. If they want to give their address to a person saying that we'll give them cake for answering an April Fool's. <laughs> People like cake. I Who's going to trust will... a cake that comes in, a ma- in the mail? You can have it delivered from their local. It's completely place. trustworthy. I, I think I'd call the police if a cake showed up in my mailbox. <laughs> I would, I would, I, don't know, I would fall in love with whoever sent me cake. Wow. Well, there is a there's and a. I com- would read more articles on that website if there was free cake. <laughs> well, that, that's it's all about bribing the people with sweets. Right. But you guys know the company Potato Parcel, right? Where you what? literally, 
You guys haven't heard of potato parcel? I know you can smell, you can sense smells in a can or something like that. That might be at the different company. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. But uh, potato parcel, you could put a picture of something on a potato, a raw potato, and send oh, that. Oh, yeah. That sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh, all that, that, <laughs> was, like, NBA, that was going on the NBA. A couple of players were getting random potatoes with their faces on it. Yeah, it was because uh, Mark Cuban made a deal with them on company because he said it's stupid on a stick, but it was making good money. Stupid on a stick. I love Mark Cuban. Hmm. Was that I'd rather get a potato than a cake. What? In the mail. <laughs> Who are you? I'm sending you a potato, right? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> then we can send so, it. so when we're not talking about potatoes and cake, we are uh, obviously we're going to be trying to write as much as we can during the season. We're going to be doing some previews. We're going to be doing some reviews of series, and we'll have everything for Mariners fans who listen and love Soda Mojo. So stay tuned to Soda Mojo all season long to get all your information, news, rumors. Uh, we've got minor league updates. Colby's been doing stuff on the draft, so you know the draft is just two months away now, so that's something to get excited for. So... You guys have any final thoughts uh, on regular season, or you guys just want to kind of see the first game and kind of dig in? I'm ready to just start watching some Mariners baseball. It counts. Exactly. You're gonna have root sports at your apartment, right? I okay. I'll watch the highlights when I get That's home from I work. Thought. <laughs> it's all the same. I, know, I have a question. Who's yeah. uh, who's everybody's MVP pick for the American League? Because I was kind of trying to pick somebody and i had a hard time Ooh. this is hard i think the easy answer is probably trout but i didn't want to yeah. i didn't want to go with trout that's just boring yeah i kind of i'm gonna go with mookie Betts. i think he kind of extends his success a little further he's super versatile you know he's fast he's he showed a little power last year he should have won know, it last he's year kind of the whole package yeah i kind of agree with that and plus he has a cool name um yeah i think that uh i might say trout i would say that altuve is probably going to get a bunch of votes i think that he's going to have another really good year uh i think that you know depending on how many games the mariners win they might have someone who's uh who's gonna end up in the top five you know colby had mentioned uh, james paxton being in the cy young conversation but i think that you know, the Mariners can get Dyson, Segura, Haniger, and those guys on base for for Cano or Cruz to, to bring them in all the time if they keep up their power numbers and, and keep up their batting numbers. I don't think it's too much of a stretch for them at least to be in the top five for the uh, mm. EP. Didn't Cano finish like sixth last year? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, he was did. top ten. I mean, yeah. I so said before the had... season he'd finish top five. There you go. Oh. I, I don't know. I was kind of kicking around the idea of Francisco Lindor of the uh, the Indians as kind of a dark horse type of guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't. The Indians are probably going to win the American League, uh, and that I guess that matters to voters, team records. But uh, I don't know. He's a really good defender, and he's a really good base runner, and he he's going to probably hit around three hundred. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think he's a sneaky power too. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's a lock uh, for a gold glove, I would say, but um, maybe maybe more of a silver slugger award winner than a MVP. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, any other uh, questions, comments, uh, reactions to anything before we uh, before we sign off, guys? Any? Uh, well, now I have another question. Oh. For Mitch, how many games do you have to play to not be eligible for rookie of the year? Because Mitch Handiger only played 34 games last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty Mitch, sure it's roster time. Yeah. Mitch Handiger is eligible to win Rookie of the Year. Huh, uh, cool. Then he's I my think, dark horse for that. Yeah. I think uh, I think the cutoff is 150 plate appearances. Or it's like okay. 75 innings pitched or something like that. Yeah. I knew he was pretty close to what it was. Yeah. I think he's just under it. So he is eligible for that. Mitchell. Sweet. <laughs> so does anyone have any uh any shout outs last week we uh we made a couple um we did you know, we sh- yeah we shot we did a couple Kelsey shout outs yeah and uh rachel homan and the canadian women's curling does anyone have a shout out for this <laughs> week go gonzaga happy birthday mom oh <laughs> Goblin Mountain CC baseball man. All right, well it's uh, it's always a pleasure, guys. And uh, as for the sixth edition of the Soto Mojo podcast, it's been great. Always uh, listen to us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and also on Blog Talk Radio and also on our website uh, sotomojo.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to us if you guys have any questions, comments, reactions, both on Facebook and on Twitter. You can search us there at Sotomojo FS. So without anything else, uh, I think that uh, until next week, guys, and hopefully, you know, the Mariners have a record of 6-0 and and we can all be happy uh, next week. <laughs> so. Or. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. We'll talk next week. See you. Yep. Go ahead. See you guys. Bye.